Okay, we, we're going to get my phone number on the screen. And what we want to do is we want to hear the kinds of things that you want to know about in regards to family. So if you have any question in regards to family that you would like to ask mum and dad, please text them through and I'm going to receive them while we're doing this. <laughs> All right, that's, there it is. My favourite quote is by Jonathan David Halser and it says, the more heaven comes to earth, the more earth looks like family. And that's something that we are super passionate about as a family, is real, raw, authentic, vulnerable, fun family. And we want to see that restored on the earth. So who better to interview than my mum and dad? Speaking speaking of family, could we get that photo on the screen? Something interesting happened this week. Mum, do you want to tell us what happened? <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> well, my car... Well, we came to prayer meeting and it was amazing. And came time to leave... And I said to Wayne, do you want to lock the gates? And he said, yeah, oh, can you? And I went, oh, sure. He went, oh, no, I'll do it. So I'm driving out the gates, and I thought, oh, poor guy, he's just got one hand. I'll do it. So I turned just outside the gate and um, neglected to notice there was a big drain, like, sticking up. And so my car landed up on the drain on one side with the wheel on one side off the ground about that far. So everyone had gone, no help anywhere. So Wayne commenced to ring people and he couldn't get anyone to pick up. So (laughs) finally, oh, yeah, so... Jono, Jono and Carla came. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, there is another part of the story that heightened everything intensely. Um, there was a beautiful Indigenous man um, who had had a fair bit to drink and he was yelling out a lot for about an hour. <laughs> trying to help us. His heart was beautiful, really beautiful. What what did he say? I'm so sorry for you, Grandma. I'm so sorry for you, Grandpa. I'm so sorry for your grandchildren. Your car is wrecked. It's broken. There's no fixing it. I'm the black mechanic. I can fix it for you. But, and then he proceeded to bring his beautiful family, his wife and daughter, to meet us. It was really rich and Carla prayed for him, (laughs) and he went home. So um, then Dave and Jimmy arrived, and it was really a rich time of just Carla and I sitting in the four-wheel drive, (laughs) watching the guys really just work as a team and scratch their heads and then try another idea. It was late, like... 
We didn't get home till quarter past 11, so it was inconvenient for everyone. But no one made us feel like that. And eventually, one of the ideas got us off. <laughs> and my car is fine. Um, but it really just brought home to me how much this is family. Because, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with asking people to do things. I'm happy to help people, but I don't know why. But I didn't feel like that. And it just felt like I didn't feel like an idiot. <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> it just felt like as soon as the cars came, it was like, oh, everything's going to be okay. Family's here. I've got it. They've got this. That's what happened. All right. First question, we're going to start with Dad. Why family? Why are you guys passionate? Why, is, why does this matter to you? I think it's um, something that God puts inside of each and every one of us, and that is that we long to be loved, and we also long to love. And where else can you do that in family? It comes first in family. If you can learn to die to self in the midst of, some incredible circumstance, like parking your car. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, you learn to love unconditionally. That's the beauty of it all. And in immediate family, you learn to do that, but out of that, it becomes second nature. That You don't expect anything. You just love and you do family because that's who we are. Um, it also encourages growth in ourselves and in other people. Um, iron sharpens iron, doesn't it? And uh, the Lord will put you alongside somebody who is going to rub you up the wrong way, like sandpaper, and just smooth it out. So. And it also helps draw out the gold in others. So the little golden nuggets that you can find. And it's just family and, uh, yeah... I think because family is God's idea, it's his best plan. Um, in his word it says he places the lonely in family um, because he knows that's what we need. We all need family, somewhere that we feel completely accepted, unconditionally loved, we feel seen, we feel heard, our dreams are encouraged. And what hurts our heart matters to those people. Um, we feel valued. Um, and our victories are celebrated. Um, Proverbs 17, 17 says, A dear friend will love you no matter what, and a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. So that's, that's family. It's real, it's raw. No matter how you behave, you're still loved. You're accepted, and it's forever. Like you can count on it no matter what happens. You're always family. All right, next question. Short, sharp, and shiny. What are your top three values for family and why? Number one for me is intimacy. Uh, time with family, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we used to take the girls out, and we still do, take the girls out for a, a date night and um, 
take out Sharon as well. Date nights. Uh, so intimacy, time spent, and also fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, I think fun is a massive priority in our family because um, you can get pretty serious and just do all the stuff and work through issues and get work done. Um, we've always liked to have a lot of fun. And um, vulnerability is another big one. We've just found really helpful to, when you're not feeling yourself, um, you're going through something, sometimes your heart doesn't know why, you're just not feeling good. So just coming and saying, before you start pray, uh, spraying your behavior, which we can do, um, I, I don't know what's going on in my heart, but I'm not feeling good. Can you pray for me, please? It's just been a really powerful thing. Um, dates, we've found really important for each other and for our girls. Um, just somewhere that you can hear their hearts and they feel seen and they feel heard and valued. And it just set them up to know what to expect, to have high value for being pursued and dated, and what to expect from someone that pursues them. Is that three? Uh, All right, I'm going to move on. Next question for you, Dad. What is your funniest family moment? This, ours was a bit scary and a lot of, it's the one that stands out. There's always one of those things that stand out. And this was back in Port Lincoln. We were towing the caravan from Port Lincoln that we were going to Striggy Bay. And the caravan decided to go the opposite way to the, what the car was doing. So it's now, you know, fishtailing is, swaying across the road. And we're on a main highway and it's going from the dirt on one side to the dirt on the other side and it's taking the car with it. So we've got no control. I've got three ladies in the car all screaming and I just heard one word and that was accelerate. I'd been trying to hit the electric brakes to put the brakes in the van on, which would have pulled it out. It would have been okay, but that wasn't working. And um, it's getting a bit of momentum going. We've been across about three or four times and then accelerate. So I accelerated and we managed to pull it out. And then Sharon said, oh, you're going to stop and have a look. And I said, nah, it'll still be there when we get there. So we just kept on going. This is the damage inside the van. And when we got to the caravan park, we uh, parked the van. And when we opened the door, all we could do was stand there and laugh. Honestly, it was like a bomb had gone off inside the van. <laughs> there were pickles inside, Ugg boots. The, everything that was in the cupboards was smashed. It was all over the floor. But it was just one of those moments. We just laughed. I mean, that was mine anyway. All right. I'm going to ask you a different question. Excellent. This is off the grid. Oh, good. What advice would you give to people who have a family but are also in ministry? Any tips or wisdom on how to do both well? <sighs> um, a priority that... Uh, when we got saved, we got saved into, like, almost... Like your gifts are called out and seen and you're believed in and 
put in ministry, like um, young adults just organising events and creche and those sort of things. Um, so we just, a priority for me has always been putting family first. So if it's one of our family's birthdays, I'm out. It's not ministry, it's family. Um, but there's been a balance in that as well because I know Chantel's a daughter and if I'm on a date with her and I get a phone call from Carla and she's at hospital and Jono has to go to work, I know that Chantel's going to go, Mum, go, and my heart is going to be go, so I'll go. So um, I think there's also knowing when to like praying about everything you say yes to. Um, yeah, I actually hit a wall um, when the kids were young in a lot of ministry. Um, I didn't realise until I had lost a fair bit of weight and got to dinner time and I was eating half what I used to. But that was a good experience because from then on I've just learned what that feels like when I'm coming up to that, so I know I need some time out. Um, but always asking the Lord to what to give you yes to before. Like if someone asks you to do something, just go to the Lord and say, is that what you're asking me to do? And there's grace on that and there's anointing for that. But I think we can get burnt out if we say yes to everything and we're doing stuff he hasn't asked us and anointed us to do. Yes. All right. I want to preface this. Dad is courageous and strong and very patient. He's been in a house of three women <laughs> for a long time. Three adult women, might I add. <laughs> and he's had to learn and adapted how to listen and communicate really well. So before I ask this question... Jono, would you mind playing that YouTube video? I think this video sums up Dad's journey very well. <laughs> it's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing- You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on! Ow. If you would just don't.
Dad, what advice would you give to the men in the room around communication and listening and holding the heart of your partner and kids and family and friends? That, um, a picture paints a thousand words and that was pretty much how you feel. That's how I used to be. But over the years, I've learnt, uh, and I'm still, every now and then, I, I, you, you see the problem, a guy sees a problem, and straight away, he wants to fix it. And that's not what the person wants. They want you to sit there and just listen. Sometimes they just want to vent, they just want to talk about it, and not, not anything else, not even pass a comment, but just someone to sit there and listen. And so... Over a period of time, I've learnt to ask, what would you like me to do? Right at the start, she said, Dad, I want to talk. Okay, so what do you want me to do? Just listen. So I'll sit there and I'll listen. And, uh, and it's listening to the heart. It's not listening so much to the words. It's what, what is she saying, reading between the lines. So you get to know and hear. So actively hearing, for example. Um, and look for the hidden meanings, like... What, what is you, what are you really... Meanings are always hidden in our sorry. family. <laughs> <laughs> and then wait for the invitation to fix it. That's the, that's the wisdom there. Wait for the invitation. Mum, what does inviting people into family look like for you? <sighs> it's my favourite thing to do. Um, before we left Brisbane... Uh, Chloe Joy, um, Chantel asked her to do a scripture for Wayne and I. And it was, here am I with all my children, the Lord has blessed me with, we are for signs and wonders. And that was just like, undid my heart, it wrecked me, because that's just my heart. Um, because I see the value of family, and I just want to invite people into it. Um, and so... When the accident happened and part of our family was taken by the enemy, it was really, um, God has redeemed that because I feel like he has enlarged my heart even more for family and I'm more passionate about it. So I have more room to invite more people into family. And that looks like to me inviting them into our space and drawing out what's in their heart, valuing them. I just pray that everyone that comes into our space leaves feeling like they are family, like they're safe, like we believe in them, we cheer them on in their dreams, and they feel loved. Dad? How did you balance outreach with young children? Sorry, what was that? How did you balance outreach with young children? I had a beautiful wife <laughs> <laughs> who, who allowed me to go out and, um, and to do what I was called to do. I, I love going out and sharing the word and um, opportunities, just seeing opportunities arise and um, Sharon had seen me out. There was one time I was out fishing on a jetty and um, about four hours out there and I was way past what time I should have been back. But at the end of the four hours, this young guy gave his heart to the Lord and when we came back and it was just... Sharon was sitting back watching and seeing it all unfold so she knew. And um, so I, a lot of it is 
not so much me balancing, but more knowing that if, I, if that was what God was doing or calling me to do, that I had somebody there who would allow me to go and do it. What if you didn't have that person? How would you do it? How would I? And still had children? Take them with me. <laughs> so um, I think we've we raised you up that if we started sharing with somebody, they would be standing there praying for them as well. So, yeah, not to be afraid. There's no excuse. Take your kids with you. Yeah. Mum, what do you think builds walls and disconnection in family? And how have you tackled this? I think busyness, um, phones, TV. Um, how have we tackled it? With At times when the girls were teenagers, we would have a basket that all of our phones went into. Um, I think we address it if one of us are starting to feel like that. Um, so we don't let it fester. We talk about it. We address, we address it. So I've got a little story about this one. We were back in Brisbane and there was Chantelle, Sharon and myself and Kimmy all in the lounge room. The TV was on. And I looked around and the girls were all on their phones. And so I thought, I sat there for a little while and got up, went into the study and I turned the Wi-Fi off. And I went back and I just sat down and then I think it might have been Sharon Chantel said, Dad, there's something wrong with the Wi-Fi, it's, it's not working. I said, oh really? Well, why don't we go and play a game of cards? And we all went into the kitchen and we sat down and all of us played a game of cards. So. Sometimes you've got to be sneaky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. A really good one has just come through. I'm just thinking about how to put it. Um, what, what are some keys to bringing correction in love without separating someone from family? Prayer. <laughs> and I think space, um, not addressing it when it first happens and when you've got reaction in your heart. Um, asking for the Lord's love and wisdom. Um, and always valuing and seeing, reminding someone who they are because if correction's needed, someone's just forgotten who they are. And also separating the who from the do. Yeah. So that's a big one. It's like, I love you, but this is what you've done. I don't like what you've done and there are boundaries. So you've done this, so now there's going to be consequences. And... Uh, Loving and, and reminding them, I love you, and this hurts my heart. Like if it was children, I'm talking mainly, I guess, children. Um, and it, it breaks my heart to have to smack you. And, um, yeah, so separate the who from the do and love. Reinforce it with love and remind them afterwards how much you love them. I'm going to add a PS. I think sometimes we can get hung up on trying to address behaviour 
and forget that behavior is a symptom of a heart issue. I think if we can look past behavior and actually see someone's heart and hold their heart and address the heart, love will always win, even if it takes a really long time. (laughs) Um, Mum, what was your most challenging moment as a parent bringing up kids? I know the answer to this because Chantel told me. (laughs) Um, We had just moved to Brisbane, so we're living in a caravan. And it was pretty, pretty stressful time. Wayne was doing night shift to provide for us in a factory. And so he was sleeping in the daytime in the air-conditioned caravan. The girls were at school and I was sitting in the annex, which was really hot. And um, just laying foundations for the scene of it, Chantal had just started high school and all the peer pressure that goes with that. And everyone at school was wearing makeup. Chantal wasn't allowed to because it was against the school rules. It was simple for me. But my makeup went missing looked everywhere for it, couldn't find it. And then one day I opened the boot of the car and her school bag fell over and my makeup fell out. <laughs> Which I was is a thief. <laughs> I didn't have the Lord. <laughs> I didn't know she didn't have the Lord at that stage. God protected me from that. <laughs> um, yeah, so at the time I was like, ah. Oh, I can't believe she did that to me. But I understand completely, um, yeah, forgave her. (laughs) So for the fathers, um, I think the hardest part was um, learning to let go when they get to an age where they're starting to venture out and become independent. And, okay, Chantel's 15 now and, well, we still want you home and and you're sort of learning to extend the time that, okay, we'll be home by um, the people she can hang with. And for a father, that's a big thing because she's going out with boys and what's this? Um, And again, you learn to trust what you've instilled into your children. We've taught them well. They've got... They can make good decisions and trusting them and believing in them um, and they're going to be fine. You just loosen the reins and watch them grow. They may make a mistake or two, but that's okay. Uh, Just the unconditional love sweeps in and it's all right. We can do this. Yeah. Mum, not everyone here would know what the last 18 months has been like. Can you tell them what happened and how you've moved through it, staying in God's goodness? Um, so, Chantelle was moving back to Brisbane, so she had a, everything she owned in her car. Is that what you mean? Oh, sorry. So, in July 2018, my mum passed away suddenly, and in October 2018, my dad passed away. In January 2019, my brother passed away. 
And in March 2019, my daughter passed away, who was in the car with Chantel. Um, so there was so much of God's goodness in it. I actually experienced the most of God's goodness in that, in that time than I have in my whole life. We've been walking with the Lord for over 30 years. Always known he's been good, but oh my gosh, it was like the enemy wanted to overwhelm me with grief and he did his best shot, but the Lord had a better plan. He just overwhelmed me with his goodness. Just wave after wave after wave. And I just honestly cried so many tears at the goodness of God <laughs> because it overwhelmed me. He just, yeah, that's what helped. So it's, it's just built in me. It just takes your focus. Like, and being thankful. I remember uh, the day after the accident, Dave drove us to the airport. And like on the night of the accident, I was like, because we were told Kimberly didn't make it, Chantel's critical. So I was like, oh, fierce mama. Oh, I'm fighting for Chantel. I was like, with everything in me, fighting for Chantel. <laughs> but the next day, I said to Dave, it's harder today. And I remember him saying, <laughs> Thanksgiving is key. And I thought, oof, I don't think this is what I need to hear right now. But who knows, medicine doesn't always taste good. <laughs> and I can tell you, that weeks, months after, the Lord had taught me how to deal with grief over the four deaths. So that was his goodness as well. And I'd done all I knew to do, and I'd hit a wall. And I was like, God, this is in the night. You've got to help me. I don't know. I've done everything I know to do. I've done everything you taught me. I need help. And those words Dave spoke to me came back. Thanksgiving is key. So I just thank the Lord for everything in my life. I thank the Lord for Chantel's life. I thank the Lord that we're in a beautiful family, a beautiful community that loves us and supports us, that comes to our need whenever it is, nighttime, daytime. <laughs> whenever it's not convenient, they just come. And it just shifted it was like it changed everything. Yeah. Can I encourage you guys, when life hurts, resist the urge to pull away and isolate. I, I wouldn't have made it through without the love and family and support of you guys. But I also had to discipline myself to send a text message or to call someone and say, hey, I'm really hurting right now, can you come? And they always did. But it wasn't natural for me. I had, to, I had to really be like, all right, I just need, I need a hug. I need a coffee. I need, you know, I'm good at communicating my needs and I did it. <laughs> I'm good now. I wasn't it. But learn to do that. Don't isolate. Dad, how did the past 18 months, how did the accident put life into perspective for you? No, even being a paramedic after 30 years and um, you've seen a lot of things, a lot of 
miracles and also a lot of death. And the last thing you ever expect it to be is your own, one of your own. And when I was in the, at probably the worst point, uh, driving home by myself, we're just going back to the unit for, for something, and I was sobbing on the way back, and I clearly heard the Lord say, the grief that you're feeling for Kimmy is the grief that I feel for every one of mine that perish. But the difference is you will see Kimmy again, but I will never see them again. And I found myself, it was like a little, a gentle kick or a nudge in the right direction, if I can put it that way, where we have so many people around us that we have access to. We have the opportunity to speak into their lives and just be Jesus to them and to let them taste and see that he is good. And to, op, to, to literally take every opportunity you can where I might not have been as active before the accident, but nobody knows what's going to happen in the next hour or the next two hours. Um, and, and so to take, make the most of every opportunity you have um, to love unconditionally, to forgive quickly, don't hold on to offence. If somebody offends you, let it go. It's not worth it. It doesn't do anything to them, but it will do something to you down the track. Um, so learning to forgive quickly, you know, the fruits of love. Love is patient, love is kind, quick to forgive, slow to anger. So all of those things, it's sort of heightened in me. And I'm learning, I'm, it's a progress. It's a work in progress, I should say. And I'm still learning to walk in that. But it's doable. It is doable. Yeah. It's just about to hit on six o'clock. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really enjoying this. And there's a few more questions I would love to ask. So if you want to hang around, please do. If you need to go, please feel free to do that. If you have kids and you need to get them, please do that too. I've got another question I'd like to ask you, Mum. I love questions. <laughs> Um, Darwin is super transient. How do you think we can love deeply and bring people into our hearts, into family, when they often go quickly? I think it's not about us. Like, it's about loving the one in front of us. Um, and people, we've had a journey where the Lord has moved us more than once and those connections are the rich connections. Um, we've got friends that we haven't seen them for years, but when you catch up, it's like we haven't been apart. And so they're the tapestry and the colour weaved into our heart, into our journey. And if we hold back in fear of being hurt, we're missing out and we'll be isolated and lonely. So... I feel like don't protect your heart. Just trust the Lord. He's got more people coming as well. Um, just love like they're going to stay forever. Amen. Um, I've got a question for both of you. <laughs> this came from the crowd. Um, I'm not saying that we have it all together. We're a work in progress. We often have intense fellowship. <laughs> However, what do you think healthy family could look like? 
I think healthy family could look like if we were really vulnerable and really open and self-aware that we wouldn't need to actually have conflict. I mean, we have, we're not always going to, we've got different brains, so we're going to think differently, and men think differently to women. But if we learn to just be really open about how we feel, I think it's possible to do life without conflict. So healthy family, without conflict, inviting others into that family, showing them what healthy family is, and then them growing up and reproducing healthy family could change the world. I think too, um, when something, if something's going on inside my heart and maybe something happened at work and if I bring that home and then something happens or somebody asks me, uh, demands something, even though they're not, it feels like they are because of what's happened, what I'm experiencing. And so I tend to react and there's a big difference between reacting and responding. So reacting is instant, there's no thought process, it's thinking about myself, it's, a, and it's an almost shield up, don't come at me sort of thing, where if I respond, I'm taking into consideration the other person, what they're asking me to do, and I'm laying down how I might feel. And so, is it possible to live in a place where no matter what is going on around you, that you could be in perfect peace and remain in perfect peace. And I think that's what a healthy family for me, and I'm, I'm striving for that right now. That's what I want to do. No matter what goes on, no matter who says what, car's over, <laughs> bridges. Now, I thought about that the other night, and my first reaction when I got out the car was to Sharon, how did you do that? Why did you do that? Okay, why did you do that? And it was, just, it was uh, that was a reaction. That was just something that came out, and if I'd responded, I would have put my arms around her and said, you know what, it's going to be okay. We'll, we've got this sorted. And I, I thought of that the following day and how I could have changed that whole thing. So it is possible to, to operate out of that place of peace and just respond instead of react. So, yeah. All right. How are you guys feeling? Are you all right? <laughs> Good? All right. You wouldn't believe it, but I used to be very needy. And... <laughs> I had a lot of needs that should have been met by the Lord, <laughs> but I tried to get them met by my mum. And so I want to know, mum, how, how does it make you feel when people try to get their needs met by you that should be met by the Lord? It actually feels really draining because that's not the way we were designed and it's not growing healthy children into strong adults getting their needs met from the Lord so I yeah it makes you feel like you want to step back and protect yourself because you don't want to be drained so my encouragement to whoever it is <laughs> is to just keep directing them to the Lord as many times as it takes 
directing to the Lord because we don't have what they need. He has what they need, and we're not going to be here forever. So they need to have their needs met by the Lord to live a healthy life. How do I know if I am that needy person? I think you would know if it's not a healthy relationship, if you were separated from that person and you weren't okay. Emotionally a mess. <laughs> Does that answer the question? Yeah. <laughs> All right. For uh, Hazar, are you are you enjoying this? Yeah. yeah? <laughs> All right. Dad, what advice would you have for the fathers, husbands, sons in the room? Number 1, even if you're single and you're not a, not married, Start praying for your wives now and pray for your children. Um, we are, or the men, the mantle of a man is to be the spiritual head of the family and that involves covering them with prayer. Um, just repeat the question again. What advice would you have for the fathers, sons, men in the room? Yeah, just... Um, be slow to anger. I'm going to quote scripture now. Slow to anger, quick to forgive. <laughs> All of the fruits of the Spirit, just... It's like putting the other person first all the time, regardless of what's going on. Um, and it's a, a huge process of being able to die to self. But there are arguments that you're not even worth going into. And giving up your, your right to be right. Just, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And that just puts an end to whatever's going on. So you're loving that person. And, um, yeah. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all of that. <laughs> Mum, what advice do you have for the women? I think number one is pray for your husband. Because I actually overlooked this for a long time until I saw it. It actually says to pray for all men on all occasions continually, where it talks about praying for leaders in government. Um, so the men really need our covering. Um, I would say pray with your husband. There's, there's something really powerful that happens when you pray together, and there's a lot of opposition against it. We still find that. But when you pray together, your hearts connect. There's an intimacy that happens and you get to hear each other's hearts and hear the softness in the heart and hear what's important to them. And it just connects you in a deeper way than anything else will. Um, Hmm. Enjoy every season. 
and just appreciate, especially when your kids are little, it can seem like all-consuming and going slow, especially before they go to school. But once they go to school, oh my gosh, it just flies. And it's such a precious time of, you're actually discipling revivalists um, that are going to change the world. It's such, it's ministry, full-time ministry, and it's so valuable. And you want to be the ones shaping those precious little ones. Otherwise, someone else will. Yeah. Two, two more questions. What one-liner would you give to the dating people in the room? Yeah. In a relationship, dating, what one-liner would you give to them? <laughs> Advice. Honour and purity. I was going to say purity to and guard your heart and don't put yourself in a situation that you'll go somewhere you don't want to go, like you don't intend to, but your emotions and your hormones will take you there if you're not guarding your heart and the positions you put yourself in. Amen. That's the truth. Not just for the dating people. I think that's for everyone. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to finish with this. What is the, if, if there is anything, what is burning on your heart that you haven't been asked yet? I've probably already mentioned it, but we don't have a lot of time. And it's almost like there's an urgency in the spiritual realm to get out there and make disciples, to do what we were called to do, go and make disciples. So that is one thing I would encourage everybody to do, is just the people that come around you, try and look for the door and knock it all open. I just want to share a quick story about the redemptive power of God over family, no matter what sort of family you've come from. Um, In God's goodness and kindness, I did a course uh, in the Brisbane church just before we left because our heart was to journey up slowly and lead people to the Lord and stay in disciple along the way. So I did a discipleship course at, in Brizzy. And part of the homework was it, it gave us a challenge. And my challenge from the Lord was I have three younger brothers, two of who were alcoholics and I didn't feel like I found it really hard to talk to them because we were just so different nothing in common their life was opposite to mine and so I built this wall of excuse around my heart I can't talk to them so I didn't and we were they're in South Australia and we're in Brisbane so the Lord really challenged me you need to connect with your brothers, no excuses. So I put myself to giving them a call and to my surprise, I just talked to them about normal stuff that I talked to everyone else about and it was really good. And that was in August 2018. In January 2019, my brother passed away. So I'm really grateful <laughs> that the Lord did that. 
He was so kind. And my, that brother particularly, oh my gosh, was so stubborn. Like, I tried to talk to him about the Lord the day my mum passed away, and he just got so angry. And so when he, we knew he had cancer two days before Christmas, and he was gone by January the 9th, and it was like that was the worst of the deaths, to be honest, because he wasn't saved, and it felt like we were dragging him over the line. Um, but on his deathbed, without being able to talk, Chantel sent my sister-in-law um, a prayer for him to pray. And he couldn't talk, but he raised an eyebrow. <laughs> so <laughs> we know he's in heaven. So no matter what your family's like, where you've come from, whether they're saved or not, there is always hope and God can redeem whatever you've been through. That's, that's good. If you need a mama and a papa, family, I will share mine with you. <laughs> Would you guys just quickly pray for us as we go? Father, we give you praise, honour and glory. Father, I thank you that there's not one person here who's here by accident. Lord, you have such an incredible plan, purpose and destiny for each one of us. And I thank you, Lord, that your word will not return to you void. It will accomplish all that it was sent forth to do. Father, I call down our destiny from heaven, Father. I thank you that you order our steps, Father. You will lead us in the way that we should go. And Lord, that you will... Still there? Yes, Lord, that you come and have your way, that you'd lead us and guide us, Father. Lord, that you draw us closer and closer to yourself. Lord, just show us the ones who are ready. Father, I thank you for the gift of family, both in the natural and the spiritual, and that your promise is great shall be the peace of all of my spiritual children. So I thank you for all of these ones that you've placed in my heart and that their peace shall be great. And I just pray, Father, that for all of us, that you would cause us to be the best family that you intended, that we would learn to function in perfect love, without fear at all. Just be real and raw and vulnerable with people that we invite in and that we'd be unafraid to reveal our hearts and invite people in. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.